I'm going to open with, you know what, I'm, I'm going to ask somebody to, my hands are a little off, funny, because you get far, yes. thanks, Just to, I don't have any chest there, so it's okay, <laughs> all right, will someone pray, and then I'll finish praying, but I want someone here that's here because God brought you here like he brought me, and just pray for our time here together. So let's, let's look for a moment to him, and then I'll pray after whoever it is is led to pray. So whoever is, go ahead. Father God, we come to you in prayer, Lord, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to gather together and learn more about you and how to go deeper into you, Father God. I pray that... Um, we would be blessed and, yes, and that, Father God, we would receive whatever it is you have for us, Lord, that yes. we would be able to apply it to our lives and Amen. also help change other people as well. Thank you, Lord, for that. And I thank you this way, Lord, that you're going to help us do in the story in Luke 10, what Mary did. When you came through the door, she got settled at your feet to listen. And that wasn't just her body sitting in front of you. That's the way we want to be now. For something that somebody here says through the Holy Spirit or just thoughts to come through our heart and mind, help us to be open to you. Meaning this, that we got another session or two to go and lunch. We could be thinking about any of that. We could be thinking about other things. We could think about this early morning, whatever might have happened. But that's not where we're going to be. We've got to be here now like she was. She chose the important thing. You help us block that out. Set aside 12.30 lunchtime and beyond and block out everything that happened before this time so we can be faithful bond servants sitting at your feet. That's the only way we're going to grow, not by half hearing you or being double-minded like James says. So maybe purpose in our heart to hear what the Spirit of the Lord says and then do what he tells us to do. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let me just, uh, to preface the time starting, I got to read a couple of quotes because of the importance of what we're going to do. Jerome was a church father. I don't know if you studied history of the church. He wrote, for a thousand years, they used his translation called the Vulgate. It was from Greek to Latin in about the fifth century somewhere. And this is a quote from him. Ignorance of the word is ignorance of Christ. Think about that. If we really, we got to get that in our hearts more and help others that we're trying to help change, that they got to step into the word themselves. Because listening to somebody's sermon, mine, yours, Charles Stanley, Joyce Meyer, I don't care who it is, what books you read, that's, that's chaff compared to the wheat. You know, I, we had our former superintendent, Charles, Brother Bob Crabtree, said in a meeting once, and he said this in front of us, he was reading about Christ. You ever read about people in the Bible, commentaries, stories about them? And then the Holy Spirit convicted him and he said, quit reading about Christ and start reading Christ. Amen. I have a lady, she's going to see me Sunday in counseling, and I told her this last week. Read, just start reading the red words of Christ. See what that does for you. Because I think we, get, we drift off the path because it's kind of like what the church culture does. We're going to go hear a speaker. We're going to go iPod something in our minds. But fine with that. I got a lot of books. I read a lot. But this better be priority, right? 
or we're going to drift from it. Don't neglect, it says, your salvation. Don't drift from what you should pay close attention to, Hebrews 2, 1 to 3. For if you do, you're going to drift. Drifting is so subtle. Like in a marriage, this is a parallel between us and him, and like a marriage, right? Bride and bridegroom. You can drift in a marriage. I get, I've been in marriage counseling with a lot of people over the years. And they didn't know until they finally woke up that we're farther apart than we realized. We got to come together. That's how people in years later on, they grew into being single married people. Do you know what that is? My parents were that way. They had separate bedrooms. But they wouldn't divorce. But they weren't intimate anymore. Not just sexually. So we got to check our hearts. And in the morning, I'll give you a tip that I got to do. I got to pray before I sit down with them. And we'll talk about that in here because our minds are always going. How many of us get up? My father-in-law would say, the, the Satan's standing at your bedside with thoughts to hit you. And your own flesh when you get up. So take a mental note that it's important to finish the day to cultivate your walk with him before you go to bed. Because watching reruns of Seinfeld, you know, they never did me no good at 11 o'clock, and then I go to bed. What's that? Or the news. I had a brother tell me that the other day. I sleep better. I wake up in peace because he took my advice that I'm taking, which is read some of the word and let it be buried in your heart through the Holy Spirit before you go to bed. Because he does, he, hey, God works the night shift, right? So let's take advantage of that. Now, I'll read a couple more things here. I got to sit down. You know, I think I walked five miles here. I went out one door and got locked and tried. A policeman had to walk me all around a building. Where's my car? Maybe I got Alzheimer's. I don't know. Listen, you can't lead a holy life with a closed Bible. Charles Stanley said that about three weeks ago on TV. But I copied that down and then wrote it down. How do we live a spirit-filled, godly life with, if we examine ourselves this is what we're doing today. Not how much we cover, but how well and how thorough and how abiding in the word we are with them. Now, anyone got a comment as we go, just give me something and I'll stop because I'm not going to wait at the end always with all the questions you might have, if you have any. Feel free to comment and let, just raise a hand and let me know. So another one is you can't love somebody you don't know. You can't say, I know Christ, but I don't know the word. If I examine my heart, am I? I mean, we can always grow, but am I, have I drifted in some way? That's part of what I'm asking us right now. You think about that. Man will not live by what? But by? That proceeds out of the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 and Matthew 4.4. 4. Now, if he says it twice, that means something. You know, he, that means something. Let's say I can tell you anything. Two verses I like, and let me ask you one about the word you may have in your mind. Just somebody say it. Uh, well, one last quote out of D.A. Carson's devotional book, Love of God, Volume 2. Ignorance of Scripture almost always ensures a painful immaturity. And that's for people that we're ministering to. We want to call them into the word like we want to be. So they don't develop weeds like the parable of the soil. How did the weeds get there? I'm a gardener. The weeds get there because you don't cultivate. You don't get down and work at pulling them out with the Lord's help. The worries, the fears, the pleasures of life. 
And that's where that's because our minds are going to fill up with something if we don't have the word of God to help be in there to direct us. Our own thoughts are going to go in another direction. Well, I just want to ask you two verses for me. The one I learned when I was an intern at CBC back in the late middle 70s, getting my degree there. And a little, my intern was teaching a fifth grade class at a church. And she stands up smiling. She goes, she says, I always cry at this. I don't know why. She says, Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my medication all the day. No one's laughing. Do you know what the word release means? Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. And I thought about it, though. She was probably right. You know, in both ways. And he will medicate us instead of how we medicate ourselves sometimes. What do we do when a worry comes? Do we follow the word and cast it onto him, or do we nurse the worry? See? Yeah. And it's like a snowball. The Greek word means I take it and throw it on him right away. It's, I forget the, the word, but it means a forceful throwing onto him. I don't want this. And he says, that's right, give it to me. Cast it onto me. But if we hold it, it's like a snowball starts down a hill. Halfway down, it's tough to stop at. And then that's where people get into more extreme anxiety. Let's, let's use that as an example. Okay, any comment? What's your favorite verse? My other favorite verse is, Psalm, is on the words, Psalm 119. Read Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, but it's all about the word. I urge you to read that and see what he says about his own word in there. What, what's he saying? So read that when you get a chance. So it's this. My heart aches with longing to know your word at all times. Think of the psalmist. How many of us have heartaches? Your heart's sick for somebody. Somebody? Something? Whatever it is, but he's saying, I'm heart, I'm, my heart is sick to know. I, I want to know him. I long to know his word and live it. Anybody? What's one of your favorite verses on the word? Do you have one? Anybody? Okay, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. The book says this. And I just want to preface this, and then we'll go, i got to go through this. Yeah, we're, go, we're okay. Cultivate. Anybody here a gardener? I love gardening. I, I'm a horticultural background. I got, a, I got a diploma in it out of high school. I worked at gardening all my life. I was a, f- a five-year-old, and our curriculum at our school was two times a week for an hour. You go out in the back on five acres, you have a little garden plot, and you learn how to grow things at five. So it's in me. So when he says cultivate, that means I got to get to work. It says cultivating a devotional life. So how, what, what does cultivate mean? To grow or tend like a crop. If I plant a crop, a row of something that's going to come up and grow, I better keep the weeds clear so I'll get a good crop. So one man said when he went to bed one night, he said, Lord, kill the weeds in me that are trying to spring up. In other words, you be the weed killer. I don't want to think these things. Kill them in me. So to form or cultivate a devotional life, refine it, improve it, work on it, it's always improvement and growth. Not just because of what you know. Literacy is knowing something. I can read, I know this. I know the the subject matter. But it's an abiding, it's a depth. See what I mean? 
It's on that level. Devotional mood. By the way, anybody read uh, A.W. Tozer's works at all? Anybody know who he is? Well, here's what he says about what... Because when you say devotional, have you ever used the word? But did you ever define it in your mind? That's why I thought, I got to know what that means fully. So he defined it pretty well. He said, what's the devotional mood, the mindset that you get in with the Lord? It's nothing else than constant awareness of God's enfolding presence. The holding of inward conversations with Christ and private worship of God in spirit and truth. It isn't just reading the word. Do you ever read the word and you start breaking out in prayer? Do you ever speak in tongues? It's just you get so full of what's there and you got to say something. Okay. To establish our hearts in a devotional mood, we must abide in Christ and walk in the Spirit, pray without ceasing. We're going to talk about that and meditate on the Word. That sounds like a lot, but it, we're going to break, I'm going to break that down. So that's what he's saying. Now, when he, when he says abiding, that's what's going to come up here when it talks about a life-changing relationship. So a devotional life, all of what I just read to you, all of what it means to fully step into an intimate relationship on an abiding level, a branch that abides in the main vine in John 15, draws all its nutrients and substance and who they are, their identity from that main vine, to be like him. And that's what we ask for. Do you want to be like him? So it comes through his word and through the Holy Spirit in us. Trinity. Somebody read 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's the last verse of 2 Corinthians. That's a Trinitarian prayer. Do you ever stop to think when you're in time with him that there are, I'm giving you some highlights already out of the book because it's like when we have time with the Lord, who's there? Who's there? I mean, it sounds silly, but who's there? I'm there and he's there. But who is he? Fully, who is he? Father? Son, Holy Spirit, do you ever pray that? I'm going to encourage you to pray that way when you talk with him. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being my comforter, my convictor, the one who fills me full with power and boldness to go forth every day to witness for you, to minister, for being the down payment for my eternity. Son, Son of God, I thank you for, what can you thank him for? That you died for me, you rose again. You were sinless, a perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you. And Father, thanks for sending them and creating the world. Expand on your prayer that way. Pray Trinitarian. What does that verse say? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Pray that way sometimes, you know. That's the fullness of the Godhead. We kind of restrict ourselves. We kind of drifted into that. I did. A lot of times I'm saying Lord, but then I got to stop myself and go, what do you mean by Lord? He knows, but I'm saying I, I want to be my, more thoroughly addressing the one that's there with me. Any comment? And this is, this is just a guidebook. A guidebook instructs you, kind of gives you pointers, kind of like a, a, somebody in their marriage. How can I love my wife better? How to? I love my wife as Christ loves the church. Well, one man, I said, every time you walk by her, why don't you just touch her on the shoulder? You never give her any, you're not giving her any soft, safe touch. And he starts doing that. And her mood changes. Because she needed that. What does he need from us in those moments, you know? We're going to go through some of that. 
One thing he doesn't want is distractions. I've got to read that to you. Abiding would be like what, a life-changing, that life-changing. Well, sure, everything's life-changing, but what is, I want to be more biblical with what I'm defining this as. It means I'm abiding. Abiding, I looked it up. In the Greek, it means I remain. I remain. I stay. How many of us talk to the Lord while we're on the run in our minds? How many of us talk? I talk to my wife that way going out the door. It's like I'm putting my coat on. She says, get back here. She said, I don't want to talk to coattails. I want to talk to you. You know? And when we get ready to sit before him, do other things come to mind, which they will, and I have to stop myself. No, you can, do the, you can put that load in the, laundry, in, the, in the dryer. Okay, it sat overnight in the washer. So what? I need you here. He keeps calling me back. The little things like the flies in the ointment, like the foxes that spoil the vine. We start paying attention. I hope you don't do this, but one man in service, he turned red when I looked. I just happened to look at him. And I said, don't put your phone next to your Bible. Don't, or if it's on your Bible, don't pay attention to the little bleeps that come along while you're reading. Because your mind's going to go there. Stop that. Ignore it. Maybe shut the phone off. That's why I suggest you get one that's got pages when you sit in the morning. You have a Bible at home? Good. I'm, I'm not being facetious. I, I don't know if people do sometimes. That's why I ask. Anyone want to make a comment? Abide, if you look in John 15, 1 to 10, 10 times it's in that passage. Abide, abide, abide. Remain. The English says continue without fading or being lost. That's an interesting one because Martha was fade, getting dragged about by thoughts in that story with Mary. She was fading away from the moment. So much so she gets angry with the guest to get upset with the sister to get her busy with the dinner, which really wasn't important at all. So, 1 John, it has it 20 times in the book of 1 John, abide. So think about what that means and spend some study time on that. What are the hindrances to having a life-changing, abiding, growing life with him? The Trinity? I, I just jotted some. You want to add to this? I'm going to ask you a question now. I hope somebody answers. Distractions. What's one of the chief things that you would call distractions? Distractions mean to direct your attention to something different than from what you're at already. Take you from here to there. What's a distraction that pulls you away from? Worry. Worry. Anxiety. Anxiety. Thinking about the schedule at work. Yeah. Just distractions when you sit down or anytime when you want to pray. Anything else? Family. Family. It could be a lot of things. Cell phone. It could be a good thing. It could be a negative. It doesn't matter. It's not. I was taught a weed is a plant that's out of place. So you could have a rose and an onion patch, and the rose is a weed, technically. Good things are, are distracting, and that's what's dangerous sometimes. Not always a bad thing. But we, it's got its time and place. So surface reading is another hindrance from developing that life-changing walk. What are the, what are the surf, what's the surface reading mean? Do I read the Bible like fast food in a drive-up window? You know? Or do I sit and want to feast some, and get something from him? 
See, when you sit and break bread, you've got to sit with the person in, right across from you or on the couch back then at that era. You're intimately there next to them, eating. You're not revving your engine ready to tear away from the drive through with a cheeseburger. Because our minds start whirling, you know, like I've I got to hurry up and finish this. You ever do that and then 20 minutes later you forgot what you read? So then what good was that, see? That's what I had to tell myself. Why do that then? It, it, like my wife would be disturbed by that if I sat and listened to her and she's looking at me. You ever do that with somebody? You're looking at them, but you know they're not, and they're looking at you, but you know they're not listening. Because I've done it. And you want to just, what do you want to do when that happens? What do you feel? I want to stop talking. What do you, anybody want to comment? I'm waiting. <laughs> you wait me out, man. You wait me out, huh? When you talked about spending time in a word, like yeah. you said, instead of the news or time bell or something like that, what often comes to my mind when I think about that is Psalm 1, when a blessed man delights in the law of the Lord and how he That's it, Psalm 1. Psalm 1. I got a sister in the Lord that did it. I call her sister and brother, right? I mean, that's how we are. Mm -hmm. So she she tell me in a session once, she said, I said, when can you read? I asked people, when, when's the best time to start blocking a time off and commit to it? Well, 7 to 7.30, but that's when MASH is on. Now, of all things, she tells me in the next few sentences, I got every DVD of the series, 20-some, what was it, 20 years on the air? They're sitting all like a little library on top of the TV. She could watch them anytime. But she's stressed out and drained from the day, and that's the routine she fell into. Mm -hmm. But now she changed it. And I was praying. So now she sits with the Lord, and that's her time. And there's a change in her. Because we're affected spiritually. You know, we don't think it does, but it does. We become lukewarm. Now, one last thing is, don't read secondary things more than the primary. I know I gave your brother Crabtree's example, but catch yourself, even examine your heart right now. Are there things I'm really reading and spending time in that I should really set aside more and just be with him in the word? I don't mind reading commentaries, but you know I got too top-heavy with that? I was doing too much reading and studying of the commentaries than letting the Lord show me what the word was saying. So I, got to I had to balance that out. I'll read commentaries and dictionaries on but the word first. Let the Lord show me what's there. Okay. I'm going to just got to run through this. I think we can do it. This is, and if anybody's interested, I'm just describing this. This is kind of an interactive assessment book for yourself. It's just simple. The first thing is, is how to get started. Well, the first thing to do is how do I assess where I'm at right now? Let's be examining my heart. Corinthians says, examine your heart, okay? Where am I right now? Not you where I want to be yet, but where am I now? Overall, on a scale of one is, I don't even read the word. I get it on Sunday from the screen from the pastor's sermon. Or 10, I'm in the word every day and love it. Where would you, you don't have to say, but just think of where your numbers are right there. Did we slip into something at the low end without realizing and do I want to build that back up to a higher number? What's one thing I can change right now about my devotional life? You know what I wrote? I want to listen more. And I read and I read. 
and I got to stop and ponder it. Think about it. You ever read just one proverb? I read a psalm in a devotional today, Psalm 63.8. My soul clings to you. Your right hand is my security. You hold me. And I started to memorize that. And I started thinking about it on the way down here. I don't do that every day like that, but sometimes a verse will hit me and it just stays for a while. Ask for that. Work at that. I mean, there are things we think about. Sad to say where I come from, with the, you know, they all need to be on Prozac at uh, football season time where I live. The Browns. But the next day, it's like everybody's on a, my son, you know, for half a day they're down about that. Boy, I'd like them to get more joyful about the word and talk about that more. I, I, wanna, I don't want to say I got to talk about the word all the time, everywhere, like I'm spouting it all off. But when it's there to come up in a conversation, pray for that. Pray for a timely word. I was at the bank the other day, and the Lord says, give them this, give them, give them this verse. And the manager that's sitting, standing next to him is a Christian, and he goes, because he knows the guy. And I wasn't preaching, but I thought if the word goes out, will it not have effect? That's all I'm saying. Pray to the Lord how God, how the Holy Spirit, through his word, is going to help us bring souls into the kingdom. I know, Jesus for Ohio. But the word has to be in place. A technique of witnessing isn't going to work like that. It could, but you know what I mean? As they get to know us and as we share Christ with them in our lives, and now a word comes, like the jailer. He actually asked after the thing fell in, you know, but he saw Paul, not because of the earthquake, but because he's singing and he's witnessing. And he was in Philippi for a while doing work and preaching. And they had a house church. And he says, what do I got to do to be saved? So would you be ready to tell someone that? How would you answer that scripturally if someone really asked you that? You know, I want to be ready, don't you, to give an answer? Anybody got a comment? I should wait 30 seconds, they told me in a seminar. Don't be too quick to move on. They're just waiting. They're just, they're just sitting there waiting, knowing you're going to go on. But if I wait 30 seconds, somebody's going to get anxious enough and say something. Okay, my other thought is, what's your strength? Anyone want to volunteer this? What's one thing you want to change about your devotional life first? Just one, anybody. What's one thing you want to, let's say, improve? Not, not like be a negative, but what do you want to enhance in your relationship? Taking, time. Taking more time. Okay. More dedication. More dedication? What do you mean, like in your mind and heart? Uh, just. Yeah, it's. Uh, I live with my dad on a small farm, and I got two dogs who wake me up about two thirty, three o'clock. Wow. First thing I've, I've tried to make it a point to spend time in, with the Lord, but I have a tendency to reach over here and grab my phone. Okay. One guy did this. He left his phone downstairs when he went up to bed. Somehow separate myself from it. You know, whatever. I don't know. I'm just giving you an idea. Okay. That's good. Strengths and weaknesses. What's your strongest? Oh, uh, 
what do you go to? What's your strength? What's, what's you've already built on with the Lord's help in a devotional life you got? And you're abiding with him. What have you found over the years God's helped you put in place more? Huh? Anytime. Devoted any time to prayer. That's good. You don't segment them. You know, anytime, any place, you're open, you're ready. And if you, if you abide with him and set up your times with him, and I mean I do this like a meal time, before you go on, is, is that when he wants to speak with us, we're going to have a clarity of hearing his voice. The static is when I don't have that quality built in every day to keep myself with the wax out of my ears, like James says, be quick to hear, so that when a voice comes, I'll know that's him rather than the enemy, the flesh, or somebody else. And I'll know it's him, and then I'll do what he tells me to do. Actually, um, where it says, says that we should be praying continually, and that's pretty much that's having your daily conversations. That's right. Don't you do that with your wife? Somebody said... Take an hour. Figure an hour in your day. I think in one of the uh, marriage classes I was in or seminars, quality time with your mate is spread out over the day. Ten minutes in the morning, 10, 5, a phone call here, nighttime, going to bed together, which is important too. We need to go to bed together like this with the Lord. Close your day out with him. So have a bookend of the day with him. But however you spread it out, Figure that an hour might add up. It might add up to more over time because as you love them more and you get more in-depth with them in the, in the vine, and the branch, you'll look up at the clock. You're not even paying attention. And You know when you love somebody, you're dating them? Did you look at the clock? No, you didn't look at the clock. You looked at them. You were with them. You were parking in the car on the side of the curb in a back stri- a back, a side street, and I'm sitting there with my wife. We're dating. And the father drives by. That wasn't a happy scene. I don't know why I'm telling you. But I was, I was paying attention to her. <laughs> We're the bride. He's the bridegroom. I don't, here, I'm going to read this. And somebody just, you can raise your hand or make a comment. I'm, I'm serious now. Help me. Because I, I don't want to hear my head roar too much. I want to hear you. I don't have enough. To, here's, re, read these statements, the book says. Mark the ones that, that stick out for you. These are, the, these are the things you have to go through in your mind about being with him. Maybe the hindrances. Hebrews says, cut off the weights that hold you back. I don't have enough time. How much time is enough? Okay. I have heard most of the Bible stories already. I get easily distracted when reading the Bible. That's a hindrance for some of us. I feel guilty that I don't read the Bible enough. Guilt being the key word. I read the words, but most of it goes over my head. People tell me they don't read the book of Revelation, it's too hard. A lot of imagery, I don't get that. Uh, I don't like reading. It seems like too much work. I don't feel inadequate to interpret the Bible and would rather learn what experts think. I'm lazy, in other words. i got to admit it. I don't know how to study it, and I don't have anyone to talk to about it. Any of those hit home? There you go. Okay. 
And if we examine our hearts, think about this. How much time, and I'm not, I, they took me off Facebook. Somebody hacked my site, so I'm, that's fine. I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. Because I, I don't want to get caught up in something that's going to take up my time subtly. It becomes more time than it should. So you got to examine your own heart and be honest, Lord. Hey, I'm sorry. I spent two hours on Facebook, and what did I give you? See? So there's four negatives you got to pay attention to. When you come before him, let's say in the morning, I want to be cleared at least for that time of anger, fear, guilt, or pain, if it's, all, if it's the negative kind. You know, if you went to bed with your anger instead of let go of it at sundown, then you got to ask the Lord and be honest and say, help me with this. You know, my wife and I, we had a fight last night. We went to bed angry. I went in the other bedroom. I couldn't take it. And now I'm with you. And help me with this. Sometimes you're just asking God, help me. I woke up with a lot of anxiety. There's something going to go on today at 4 o'clock, and it's making me crazy. Help me with this. Help me be with you. Help me. In other words, take this from me so I can be with you. Guilt, fear, anger, and pain. Check yourself about how you are emotionally when you sit with him, with the Trinity. Okay, who? Who's there? We talked about that. The Godhead is there. How do we see him? How do you see him? Who is God? I just, there's some things in the book you could read. It's all the scriptures. When I, when I really expand my heart to take in all of who he is, who is he? Christ is my mediator. He's my elder brother. He's a high priest. What all is he? Shouldn't that make us want to praise him and all the more want to come and be with him? He's all that and more. I think we limit our, our understanding. Don't you want to be drawn to a mate or someone? When I mean, you get a full picture, of, this is the person I want to marry one day, you know? Or I have married. All of who they are draws me to them. So, we got to see ourselves as we are. Who are we? It is a... Is it a truthful saying deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom Paul said, I am chiefest? And someone said, we got to pray like that. Apart from Christ, who am I? Ephesians says, I'm an object of wrath. So I come humbly. I don't come demanding from him. I don't come like I'm on some level with him. Some, some people believe that. Since he was a perfect man, I'm like him now. No, I come humbly. That's what a bond slave is. Do you want to come like a bond slave? I give my life over to you. My will is your will. Do you ever pray like that before you sit with him? That's how you build intimacy and, and abiding. We've got to know our place, who we are. Do we sometimes think of him as a, sometimes he's a buddy, he's a friend, I get that. But I think we limit him more on another level in a, in a way that we need to see him for all of who he is. Anybody got a comment? Why do I ask? Come on. <laughs> ah, okay, it's because of the time factor. For one, I want to make sure I get to the end here. Who do we think we are? Okay. Without him, John 15, 5, the second half of the verse, I can do nothing, he says. Apart from me, what can you do? Nothing. I can't save a soul. Nothing spiritually I can do. Yeah, I can walk, talk, do things, but not like he's saying. I need him to work through me. That's why I come to him in the morning, because I'm going to face the day, Lord. You're going to help me with this. I can't do it apart from you. I can't face that thing apart from you. I need you. 
to guide and direct me. But I can do all things through Christ who what? What verse is that? Hezekiah what? Hell of Philippians, that's right. <laughs> you're right, Philippians 4, you're right. I'm not making fun. But, huh? Okay. Anyone else want to comment? This is who we are? Yes, John. Yeah. And I'm like you, I'm kind of a nutty professor as far as my <laughs> gardening. I've been gardening for 30 years. I start my gardening basement now. So I have a lot of plants I can play with. And one plant, tomato plant, got about three foot high. So I took one of the lower branches and I cut it off and I stuck it in a jar of sugar water. I said, these are going to be really sweet tomatoes. Next day it went out and up. Then two days it went out, they started to brown up. By the fifth day, the plant died. God told me it was getting its source from something else besides me. That's you. Ex you say exactly what I've told people because the tomato is a good example, like a main vine and the side branches. I never saw a side branch go off and live on its own. Sometimes we try to do the work. That's why it's important to abide because it makes me dependent on the one that is the all-knowing, powerful, present one to so give me the source of strength and ability to accomplish more than I'd ever imagined by myself. See, we're Americans. We've got to do it ourselves. DIY. And that's an important thing. By the way, in the pruning, in the abiding, and in the growing, sometimes he's got to prune. And when I'm with him in the word, sometimes the pruning is it cuts off a part, and you know this, you've got to cut off suckers, which are growing in between the main vine and the fruit-bearing branch that just sucks out the life of the plant. So you're shaking your heads, yeah, some of you. So you cut that off because it's no use to you. It may not be a bad thing, but does the Lord also in our time of cultivating and abiding He'll say, let go of that, Ray. No, I don't want that in your life. I don't want you with that. You know, some of us stay too long at things. Someone said Christians don't know when to say goodbye to toxic relationships. They don't know when to let things go and move on. We work too hard and stay too long at something. That's where he wants to prune us. And that's what happens when you get, because when you prune, what happens? You get better tomatoes, right? Bigger ones. Yeah, anyone want to comment that? Is God, is God pruning you? Yeah, I did. You, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're out there in the farmland. I brought in a one in a potted plant once. It was standing in front of the, the, the people at the, in, the, in the church meeting. It was about so high, a container. I grew them in a container. And I left suckers on purpose, and I took a pruning shears. And they got so involved, one guy, I guess, by watching this and listening, that when I cut off the sucker, he went, ow. It's like he realized it's going to be painful, you know, like he was feeling for the plant. But pain for surgery is a good thing. We've got to say goodbye to some things. Okay. What is it that... Huh? say goodbye to a lot of things and declutter. That's right. Yeah, I know. What is the thing we're talking about here? What are, who, what, when, where, why, and how? That's a journalist's questions. Five W's and E-H. That's what this is set up to be. Now we're at a what. What are we doing? We're reading what? What are we read? What are we... What is it? It's the Bible, right? Think about what it is, though, and what it's for. Read Psalm 119. Second Timothy says, it's breathed out from God through, through men over hundreds of years. Think about that. To give us his word for right now. It's good for edification. Yeah. We've got to think and hold on to that. Every day, it's a, listen, I could walk through the day maybe tripping over something because it says it's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. 
But in the old days, they didn't have flashlights with, uh, you know, Energizer Bunny batteries in them. They had a little lamp they tied around their ankle. It was a light with a shield. It was a candle. And as they walked over the rocky ground, all they could see with the way the light was, was each step ahead of them. That's all. And that's all he wants us to do so we don't get tripped up. Because sometimes we try to run ahead of them. Sometimes we're moving too fast. We're going to get tripped up. Just let it be a lamp unto your feet. So if you get these, thing, these truths in you about the word, you're going to come more fully to him, more appreciative of this word that we read. You know, we have it sitting around most of the time rather than taking it in. Know that when we read, we're ingesting food. Meditation is digesting food. Try to remember that because we can read it, but did we swallow it whole? Did we chew it 32 times like we were told growing up? Did we let it like a cow's stomach go from one stomach to the next to the next? Did we ponder on it? We're like, let's just vacuum it up. Uh, I'm going to give you some of these quotes about the Bible. The challenge has become increasingly severe. This is D.A. Carson about studying the word. All of us must confront the regular sins of laziness or lack of discipline, sins of the flesh or the pride of life. But there are additional pressures. The sheer pace of life affords us many excuses for sacrificing the important on the altar of the urgent. The constant sensory input from all sides is gently addictive. It lulls you into something else. So guard your heart when you get up in the morning, Lord. When that little thing tries to creep around the edge of my mind, help me just block it. Help me just keep focused, fixed, fixed on you. You're to put your hand to the plow, it says, in the field. Because he's wearing a field, a harvest field, right? Put your hand to the plow to cultivate, to plant seed. And then don't look to the left or the right or behind you. Just look that way. When they were plowing in the old day, they had to look at a tree line. To plow a straight line, you have to look at that over there. Still do. See? Um, we a Sunday school teacher was just going through that saying. We've come to a conclusion. What? That does not matter what's going on in this world around us. Only thing important is God's work. That is the most important thing there is. Who, who's president? Who's Congress sent? Whatever. Whatever you think is important, it doesn't mean a thing. If the, your house was going to go up in flames quickly, and so I think about that, what would you save out of there if you had like two minutes? Oh, well. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if anybody grab a Bible, but I'm just saying how important it is for us. Well, if you got your phone, maybe you're okay, but I'm just, I'm just saying I'm a guy that reads the Bible. All right, here, why? Why are we having time with him? Why are we cultivating an abiding relationship? Why? Why? Yeah, what's your reason? You've got to ask yourself, what am I doing this for? Because they told me to? Some people do that because they were told to. I got to. To know him more, to, to have fellowship with him, to hear his voice, to Okay. It's a, first of all, somebody said it's an anchor. Jesus is our hope, our anchor. Like this, the word of God anchors us in place when the winds of doctrine come and glow and blow like in Ephesians. And you hear this guy, this person talking this way, and here's a brand new doctrine, or here's a new improved way of seeing. All of these winds of doctrine blow around. 
but we're listening to the voices, the ones that say they have, the, it says in the last days, the itching ears to hear. We always like something new. You know, to some people, reading the word is boring. You know? Um, I think it's, it says the Thessalonians would go and read the Bible to um, make sure what they were being taught was excellent. Let's be a Berean. Let's be a good Berean. Yeah. Even if I tell you something that's off, I would tell people, then, then check me out. Basically, the, from the Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about God's love mm -hmm. for us and our relationship with Him. Right. That's right, it is. And we are to cultivate that relationship. Always. That's right. Now, uh, Romans, uh, you know, I'm not going to read it, but Romans 15, 4 to 6 talks about reading the Word helps us encourage and give hope to one another. Think about that. They didn't all have Bibles in the first church. They loved to hear somebody go to the house meeting and read it and think about it and memorize it. That's part of this book, too, is we need to memorize more because screens have taken us away from that. What also has taken us away from the word more is from the 70s to now, Christian education hour has dwindled away. What else has happened? Sunday nights. Things like that. we got to cultivate all the more on our own. Or get together with a couple people. We do this when several of ministers. I form as a chaplain with the state some safe zones where four or five of us get together and I'll say, bring some thoughts on. We'll talk about other things. But for this time, look up this verse and let's share thoughts that God's given us to each other. Because I want to grow. So if we're all looking at the same passage casually and just digging into the word, we got to find others of like mind because we can't go to some of the ways we, we used to go and sit and talk and share the word because I learn. You don't want to wait for the donkey to talk. I don't. You know, I, I want to grow. Do we want to grow? When are we ever going to stop? Now. So uh, it's a commandment. Somebody said the Lord tells us to read. He told them to put it on your foreheads, on your wrists in the Old Testament. Talk about it in a way. Train your kids up in it. I was glad. Are you doing this? Did you listen to any of your children? Uh, I'll just say it. I'm glad I could do it. Because I listened to the Lord and he said, train them up in the cradle. So they're standing up in a cradle and I start talking. They don't even understand hardly, but I start talking then, two years old. By the time my son got into sixth grade Sunday school, he knew as much as, the, the teacher comes to me, he says he knows as much as me. And that's okay. That's good. Wait, wait, let me just move. i got to finish this. Hold on. That's good. You want to say something. Keep yourself on a straight and narrow. What does the word do? It convicts me. It'll press me back into the path. I'll be reading and the Lord will say, you see that? You see that example I just had, you just read of that person, which are examples for us, good or bad. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. The word shows me in the Holy Spirit's conviction. Don't go that way. Bring me back on the path. Correct me. I start believing something that's not quite right, and I've got to check it out with the word like a Berean. Thank you, Lord, because error kind of creeps in sometimes, and it takes us off the path. We want to stay on the path. The Holy Spirit helps us. Okay, go ahead. Um, at, in old days, in really old days, uh -huh. how they would teach their children to read and write was by taking and writing down and copying that's right now here's the next one where when I'm having my time with the Lord we got to find the place 
like a hiding place Psalm talks about. Jesus would go away and pray where? It said one time he went away to the wilderness, to the mountain, to a lonely place. Four or five times it says that he went somewhere, away from the activity. We've got to develop that for us. One man built a prayer closet. He was a carpenter-like guy. He built it right inside his walk-in closet. So he could really be in there with a flashlight and a Bible and just pray. Hi. Okay. Do you have a place? Do you have a set place you go to? In the morning. I do because I think it's important that I have a place that I'm going to meet him. That's a, uh, anyone? Or does it, it doesn't matter to you? It's just wherever and however. Sometimes it's random for me, but okay. when I'm, I'm, I'm a school administrator, so I, I want to make sure that my day always starts out good. So I, I pray in my office in the morning. Okay, find a spot that's only for you and him. No electronics, no TV on in the background, nothing. Unless you want to put instrumental music on because that doesn't disturb the brain waves they found out in a study. If you put on worship music with singing, that's not good because you'll find yourself getting into the song rather than the word. Somebody had a hand up. Okay. I've listened to tapes in the car. I've listened to the word on uh, driving. Do you ever do that? In planning meals, I'll say this. This is the where, and I guess I, I might have skipped it in the book, but I, had, I shared with some pastors once that we plan out meals, and sadly, and we're healthier eating today. I mean, back when I grew up, we ate lard, cooked. I mean, we, I mean weird stuff. We just didn't, like, watch everything that you see today and plan out and see all the food channels that are on. And some of us can do that well, but let's translate that to his word. And that's where I think we fall short. For what I do, and if anybody came in a men's lounge to use the men's restroom, I was sitting in there, I thought, I got a little bit of time. Hey, tell me you're not a little hungry around 2 o'clock. What if you got a little dead spot in your afternoon? You eat a candy bar, you'll do something for a snack. How about anywhere you got a time? Like when somebody can't, doesn't show up for an appointment, I was at their church in Willoughby Hills, and nobody showed up for this appointment. Okay, that's ex unexpected. What do I do with dead time? That's where I want to go when I can. You know, all the time, but I want that on my mind to be with them. Doesn't mean we got to be locked into just this morning time and that's it. I mean, how many of us eat one meal a day like that? I mean, unless you're fasting. How many just eat breakfast? But spiritually, sometimes that's what it comes out to be. We're just one time a day, maybe in the morning or late at night. But what about through the day? See? And I find out through the day, sometimes a timely word from the Lord, when I got just a few minutes, it just comes now, and I needed it right now. It's His word. Right? Where? Where do you end up? A, a, just a certain place you can be. Your quiet time. Be all there. Check yourself. When I counsel with somebody, we call it squaring off. Squaring off means I'm leaning in, I'm sitting so far from them, and I'm eyeballing them. Not weird, just I'm attentive. And they know that I'm with them. And I'm listening. How are we positioning ourselves even in a detail like that? Because sometimes that matters. If I lay down 
and start to read, what's going to happen? Yeah. So I want to put myself in an alert enough place with enough lighting, with enough of the... That's just common sense, you know. Just when I get settled in, it's to really be with him. Like Mary did at his feet. So if you've not done... You know, think about those things that you can do. And try not to multitask. Nobody, nobody should do that while you're reading the Word, right? You know, do we pick up the phone just in... We're kind of doing something on the side, but think we're paying full attention to the Word when we're really not, because if you're not really where you're at, you're not fully anywhere. Anybody comment on that? Do you, want to, do you need to drop off some of the multitasking and be more single-minded? My wife would want that. I came in, when, I came in the first thing I did one day, and I, I don't do it now, I go to the mail. All right, how many guys come in right away and they start checking the mail? And she goes, well, what about me? What you come home for, the mail? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not saying the Lord will do that, but I think he, he died for us. He wanted us to be. Do you ever, did that spur you on to develop an abiding walk? I want to be with the one who died and gave his life for me. Wouldn't you, don't you value somebody that would give their life up for you to want to be with them? When? When's a good time? D.L. Moody said, we need instruction, guidance, and encouragement through the word every day. A man can't can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take in enough air in his lungs to last him for a week. See? Every day and through the day. Don't be fast food at all. So I'm going to finish with this. The, the, the distraction, C.S. Lewis, I like his quote couple more minutes here. The real problem of the Christian life comes when people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up in the morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Would you say that's kind of true? And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back in their cages, in listening to the other voice, taking the other point of view, letting the other larger, stronger, quieter life, the abiding life come flowing in. Because I'm blocking the main branch from feeding me. If I let all of those voices just settle in my head, I can't really be open and let, I'm blocking. If the side branch is, has, a, has something in it that's blocking the main flow of life from the main branch, it's going to wither. So the thought life has to be in order. And I do that when they start coming, I'll start quoting scripture and praying. Find scriptures you can memorize and pray. God, wait, you didn't give me the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And I'm going to be anxious for nothing, but I'm right now in all things, through prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, I give them to you. Pray the word. You ever pray the prayers of the word? That's another way to get all the more abiding with him. Pray what Paul prayed, Peter prayed. Pray the Psalms. Make that part of your time with him. Vary it. You ever do that? You ever pray like the, even the Lord's Prayer? I pray that every day. And I, and I want to mean it, not just rotely. Anybody? Well, you got something you pray like that every day? What is it? I, I, I pray the word as much as Okay. I just, I try to, when I pray, I just try to quote the word back. Okay. How? How do we go about it? 
Well, God's always ready, we're not. So we've got to get ourselves ready. Mar Mary was settled at his feet. We've got to practice that. Read that story and let the Lord show you. How do I have to be like her? How do I have to be focused on the important thing right now? It'll take time because some of us, like myself, the anxiety, my mother was really anxious. I had to sh work at shedding off a lot of that pattern of life because you get up like chicken little, like with everything going on, especially with a coronavirus. People wake up scared they're going to die. And I got to be in his presence. So I keep giving it to him. Sometimes you got to keep giving it, keep giving it till it's gone, like a jar that empties itself out. Because I, 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 can't, I can't be double-minded is not good. Your prayers don't get answered. Any, any comment? I got six minutes. Can you read that Charles the, the one, you can't lead a holy life without a closed, with a closed Bible. Now, if you have devotions, I do. Do you read devotionals? Which ones do you like? Just one of them. Because I'll do it. Sometimes I start because it jump starts me in the morning to get into the Word. I mean, I wake up. I'm trying to wake up earlier now so I cannot be hurried in my mind like what's coming at 6, 7, 8 o'clock. You have Jesus calling anybody? Jesus calling and the other two. Jesus always and Jesus something else? Yeah, and now I'm doing It's amazing. Today's was for today for me. I read today's and I went, Wow. That's it, Lord. But it's important I tell people when I give these out to the people I counsel with, and sometimes, you know, I give them, is uh, read the scriptures that go with it. That's the more important thing. Meditate. You've got to learn to meditate. Take your time. Choose a certain amount of scripture. Let the Lord lead you with it. Take your time and ask the Lord to help you slow your mind down like a speed bump. We think at least ten times faster than somebody's talking. So what does that mean? I'm already out ahead of them. I finished their sentence. I know where they're going. And I'm into lunch already. And I'm just waiting them to quit talking. Because I already thought ahead of them. Do we, want, we don't want to do that with him. We don't want to do that. So we stop our minds and reset. Lord, I'm reading all of a sudden. Oh, I'm thinking about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Wait, back it up. Because if I let that thought go... I, I'm not getting anything out of the word. I'm just letting it run with me. So there's the battle, but he helps us. Five minutes if you got a question. The main thing I, I tell you is if, if you could, and I got, I got handouts. I got to tell you this. Anybody want to make donations to the, to the counseling ministry? It's up to you, Abundant Life Counseling Ministry. But I picked these up for $3. If you want to uh, come over as we're, we're done here in a few minutes, a good study in the Bible on the armor of God. It's a great fold-out. Another one is on the Lord's Prayer. These are, these are from a publication house that's through a discount place I go to. Just beautiful, like, detailed study. If you want to just study through certain things in the Bible, pick a place to go to. Pick a word. Pick, pick something you want to just spend time in, like understanding the Trinity and all the scriptures that are listed in, in the Word about the Trinity itself, itself. Another one here is three questions you want to ask, that are asked in a, in a Bible study magazine on a theological level, but three questions. And you could read the questions, you could take it with you. What, what traps to avoid? Where do I start reading? If I reset, where do I start on day one? Just things that they're just throwing out to us. The other one was, a, was from the magazine Influence from a year and a half ago. Our general uh, treasurer wrote it. 
Rick Du Bois, Bible Illiteracy. I copied out two of the pages of the article. It's a great article, and you can take that with you. The last thing I want to tell you, and this is more of a, in a sense of being careful with what versions you read. And there is one out that isn't really a, a translation. And you need to study it and find out some of the sites that will explain what the Passion translation is. Maybe somebody of you here have it. And you want to talk to me on, on my own about it. But I copied out an article from a, mag, from a book that is endorsed by two of our leaders. And George Wood's son uh, really recommended we get it in one of our newsletters a few years ago. It's, it's not really a translation. It's almost like Jehovah Witness Bible in one sense. They add words. They add phrases. They change things to say what they were saying in their theology. It's part of what they call the New Apostolic Reformation. I don't have time to tell you what all that means with two minutes, but if you want to read what that article says about the Passion Bible, and it's a warning signs of what Bereans are finding. These are independent people that studied the Bible. Does it line up as the Word of God? We've got we to gotta, we know that sometimes the enemy is going to creep in with things. Unfortunately, this, is, this, is, this seems to be what, something we've got to pay attention to. Philippians 4.4, I want to read this to you. Just, as a, just one of the phrase, just one of the chapters, just one of the examples. What does Philippians 4.4 say? Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, okay, this version is what they call it as a translation. Be cheerful with joy, joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Now, does that sound like the same verse? That's just a small example of what you see in here when you read it. One man translated this. Okay. All I'm saying is that because I see it. I'm saying this because it's showing up on screens for sermons that some pastors are preaching. And they use the, I'm sure not knowing. But I got to alert you about that. The Lord told me I had to bring this and tell you. So that's all up here if you want. The book is on Amazon if you're interested. It's $12.99 there. I'll take a donation if anybody wants one here. That's up to you before we walk out of here in a minute. And uh, it's an e-book for $4 on Amazon. So I just kind of sketched out for you. Anybody got a comment, question not right now? Because I'm going to pray. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. And the reason why behind that was like, um, this year is more about like loving others, not only like your significant other, but like within your community, your coworkers. So it's been like really interesting to like get background in those types. Yeah. What's the name of it? The Heart Shaped Life. Anybody hear that? The Heart Shaped Life? Sounds like a good one. 